the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Many Christians are very naive and gullible when it comes to false teachers. They have very little spiritual discernment. We live in a very dangerous era in that you have the mass media, you have radio and television and and books that give exposure to a lot of false teachers, people who we might assume are true men of God. And as I said, just because you might hear the the Bible mentioned and and Jesus' name mentioned, uh, people tend to accept them as being very orthodox and fundamental, and that's not true. And I know they tend to accept them because there are people here who have actually sent money to men they later learn were false teachers. People they listened to, people they thought were good men, but they are not. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, you might not fool all the people all the time, but you can almost always fool somebody. I'll never forget the day that someone in my high school physics class decided to play a prank on our teacher, whom we like to call Mr. K. After all the students came in, but before Mr. K came in from hall monitor duty, The kid filled a paper cup with water, covered it with paper, and quickly inverted it and put it on the floor in the middle of the doorway. A stunt you've probably seen, or maybe even done yourself. Then he slid the paper out from under the cup and went to his desk. All eyes were on the doorway as the bell rang, but we were all disappointed. Mr. K wasn't fooled for one second. He saw the cup, looked right at it as he walked around it, and then ignored it for the remainder of the class. That is, until my English teacher, Mrs. Kennedy, came to the door to ask him a question. She saw the upside-down cup of water, and to our everlasting delight, she kicked it across the room. Mrs. Kennedy had been teaching for many years, but even the most experienced of us can fall for old tricks. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is one of several vital ministries at Lakeside. I'll tell you a little more later on. We've been studying the second chapter of 2 Peter, and today we come to verse 10, which tells us how we can avoid being duped by the many rascals who seek to lead astray the people of God. If you can follow in your Bible, keep your finger there in 2 Peter, but we'll begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now here's Pastor Steve with our lesson for today. The Bible tells us one of of Satan's attributes is deception. He's a deceiver. The Bible calls him a liar. The Bible says that one of his strategies is to deceive people. Jesus very plainly called him a liar and the father of lies, meaning that uh, he was the first of, of anyone to lie. He is a liar. The Apostle John referred to false teachers who propagate satanic errors, said as deceivers who have gone out into the world. 
And the Apostle Paul warned the Corinthians about the, the depths and, uh, of the deceitfulness of false teachers. I'd like you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We will be studying 2 Peter, but just by way of introduction, I want you to see how deceitful false teachers really are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said this in verse 3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul said, I am concerned for you because I see that Satan's strategy is the same today as it was back in the Garden of Eden. It was deception. But I want you to just jump down to verses 13 through 15 because Paul tells us how specifically Satan deceives. In verse 13, he talks about false teachers, and he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Paul said that false teachers are so deceptive that they will actually disguise themselves as righteous servants of God. In other words, they have an exterior uh, appearance, uh, a type of behavior on the outside that gives the impression that they are godly, that they are sincere servants of, of God. In fact, initially, they may say the right things. Initially, they may uh, uh, say and do the right things in, in public, but Paul says underneath their pretense of piety, they are wicked. They are evil. They have the same wicked character and conduct as their leader, Satan. So what are false teachers really like? When you strip away the exterior, what do you find underneath? Well, that's what Second Peter is about. So let's turn to Second Peter chapter 2, because that is precisely what this chapter is about. Beginning with verse 10 and really going to the end of the chapter, Peter reveals many truths about false teachers. He tells us the truth about their character, what they're really like internally. What is their character makeup? He also tells us about their conduct, which flows from their character, as well as truth about their spiritual condition. What does God say about them? They give the appearance of piety, but what is their spiritual status? What the Apostle Peter does in this chapter, he just basically rips off their masks and exposes them for what they really are like. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is why? Why does Peter do this? Why does he devote a whole chapter to revealing truths about false teachers? And the answer is this. Just like us today, Peter's readers were constantly exposed to those who taught error. And Peter was concerned for their spiritual welfare. He wanted to protect them. And to protect them, he needed to expose those men who were teaching error. And so the whole book is built around this this very problem that they were facing. And so in chapter 1, Peter tells them how to grow spiritually, how to mature in the faith, because a growing, maturing Christian is not vulnerable and not susceptible to false doctrine. He knows better than that. He's gone beyond that. It's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, that he didn't want us to be children anymore, tossed about by every wind of doctrine. So Peter says, add to your faith. God has given you faith, now grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. That's chapter 1. 
But in chapter 2, Peter focuses on the true nature and conduct of these false teachers so that his people would not be deceived any longer. They wouldn't be deceived and therefore deviate from following godly leaders and, and the truth for following error and false teachers. So he opens the chapter, as we've seen, by first stating how dangerous false teachers really are. They are very dangerous. Then he moves on to, to tell us that they will be judged. But he proves the certainty of their judgment, and probably because these false teachers said, we don't believe in judgment, so we're not going to be judged. And Peter is saying, in essence, it doesn't matter what you believe, you will be judged. And he cites three examples from the Old Testament of God's judgment. He tells us about the fallen angels, how God judged them. Though they were exalted creatures, God didn't overlook their sin. Secondly, he tells us about the people of Noah's day. The whole world, except Noah and his family, perished. And then last week, we looked at the conduct of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God judged them for their wicked behavior. But in the midst of telling us about this, Peter also encourages us by the example of God's rescue of Lot. And here's where he brings it to a crescendo, a climax in verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation or tests or trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. His point being that if the Lord knew how to physically rescue Lot from the moral filth that Lot was in in Sodom and Gomorrah, then certainly today the Lord knows how to spiritually rescue us from the tests that our faith must endure by being exposed to such heretical men and their errors. In other words, what he's saying is that even though you are exposed to a whole lot of junk and garbage theologically and spiritually, you'll never fall away from Christ. God will rescue you in the midst of this. He won't necessarily physically take you out of it as he did with Lot, but in the midst of, of that oppressive situation, living with an unbeliever or, or being with unbelievers at work who, who mock the gospel or being the only Christian or one of the few Christians in a school and nobody else understands and they're down on you and they ridicule you and they laugh at you, Peter says you will not fall away. You may stumble, but you will not fall away. You will not depart from Jesus Christ, as Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from falling. That's Peter's point. If God so rescued Lot, then understand that he knows how to rescue you in the midst of your difficulties. So having established that false teachers, number one, are dangerous, number two, they're going to be judged, and number three, that God won't ultimately let us fall away from Christ regardless of our, of our exposure to error, Peter now moves on to describe the true character and conduct of false teachers. And that's what he does beginning with verse 10. Now, I think it's very important that you understand that this is a extremely relevant and practical and very applicable portion of scripture for us today. And I'm going to tell you why, because it's very easy to look at it and say, well, I didn't live back then. I didn't face the kind of Gnostic error that Peter's readers did. But you and I need to take heed to this chapter for several reasons. Let me give you some. Number one, because what was true in Peter's day is true today. It is true today. Uh, one thing I've learned about Satan, actually a few things I've learned about him, but one thing I know is that Satan is not particularly creative. He's not coming up with, with new strategies. He's not creative. His strategies of deceiving people by using disguised ambassadors have not changed. Maybe the names have changed, Maybe there's been a little bit different twist on it, but basically they're the same. 
So whatever we discover about the true nature and behavior of false, uh, uh, false teachers in the first century certainly applies to the false teachers in our time. An understanding of 2 Peter 2 will protect you from being deceived by outward appearances because sometimes these men talk just like believers. And sometimes these men use terminology just like believers. And sometimes they appear to be very evangelical, but they're not. They may use the Bible and have the right jargon, but they don't mean the same things that you and I mean by it, and more importantly, what God means by it. So we want to be very careful. Secondly, many Christians are very naive and gullible when it comes to false teachers. They have very little spiritual discernment. We live in a very dangerous era in that you have the mass media, you have radio and television and and books that give exposure to a lot of false teachers, people who we might assume are true men of God. And as I said, just because you might hear the the Bible mentioned and and Jesus' name mentioned, uh, people tend to accept them as being very orthodox and fundamental, and that's not true. And I know they tend to accept them because there are people here who have actually sent money to men they later learned were false teachers, people they listened to, people they thought were good men, but they are not. And so any one of us can be very easily deceived. So a chapter like Second Peter 2 is very helpful in, in aiding us in evaluating what we hear on television, what we read, what we're exposed to. I want you to know that whenever you expose error, you have to mention names and specifics. And I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be mentioning names as we go through this chapter, and I'm going to be quoting from some well-known personalities. And you may wonder, well, why? Doesn't that annoy people? It probably does. But that's not why I I do it. I do have the gift. I've told my family I have the spiritual gift of hostility, but that's not (laughs) why I'm doing this. There are two reasons, basically, why uh, we need to... um, mention men and women by name. Number one, because it's biblical. It's biblical. Uh, The apostles did that. The apostles didn't just say, hey, there's error out there. Be careful. They named names. And let me show you this. In 3 John, 3 John verses 9 and 10, the apostle John mentions a man by the name of Diotrephes, a wicked man, a man who set himself up as head of the church. And notice in 3 John, Verses 9 and 10, John writes, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what I say. Now imagine that. John, the apostle John, wrote a letter. But this man, Diotrephes, put himself above John and said, I don't accept it. Now that's wicked. That's wicked. Verse 10, for this reason, John writes, if I come, if I come to you means I will call attention to his deeds which he does unjustly accusing us with wicked words. Can you imagine he accused John of wicked words? And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either and forbids those who desire to to do so and puts them out of the church. Not only did he say John was wicked and he didn't receive his words, he when when visiting missionaries and preachers came, he didn't extend any hospitality. Uh, Others in the church didn't, he put him out. That's a false teacher. That's a wicked man. John mentions him by name, singles him out. 
Not only that, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul did this not on only one occasion, but on several occasions. We have two specifically written in the letters, but uh, I'm sure the Apostle Paul did this more times than twice. 1 Timothy 1, 19 and 20 mentions two men here. He says about keeping faith in verse 19 and a good conscience, which some have rejected and, and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are, notice the men, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Paul says that, that these guys have done something so wrong, Hymenaeus and Alexander, that I've had to discipline them, turn them over to Satan. They're, they're making the faith shipwreck. And in fact, he mentions in 2 Timothy, uh, again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he mentions Hymenaeus and another man. So Hymenaeus was in big trouble. He had his name mentioned twice in the Bible, and both times he signaled uh, out, singled out for his evil. Verse 16, notice Paul said, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, 2 Timothy 2, 16, for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, and Paul goes on to say the Lord knows those that are, that are his because these guys are not his. Uh, apparently, these two men were teaching something to the effect of that there's a spiritual resurrection and you don't have to look forward to a physical resurrection. And Paul says, hey, listen, that's wrong. Their talk, if left unchecked, will spread like gangrene. You deal with the cancer by cutting it out and I'm calling them by name and exposing the errors. So, so the reason that we mention men by name and their errors is because Paul did that. Paul did that. John did that. That's important. You, you can't just give a general warning and then not tell people the names of the people giving these errors because nobody will get it then. No, believe me, nobody will get it. Second reason why men who are in error have to be uh, uh, mentioned is because of this principle. If you claim to speak for God, if you claim to speak in his name, then your teaching has every right and must be publicly scrutinized. And if it is not biblical, then we have every right to criticize it. That's the principle. If you claim to speak for Jesus Christ, then the church of Jesus Christ has every right to evaluate your teaching. And if it is not biblical, it needs to be announced to warn God's people. That's the whole point, to protect people. It doesn't protect people if you don't warn them in specifics. So names are going to be mentioned. Third reason why this chapter is extremely important, it is important to understand 2 Peter 2 so that you can understand what some of the real issues facing the church today are. Because Satan is still uh, hitting on some of these same issues. Peter lays out for us some specific issues that Satan attacked back then. He attacked in the Middle Ages and he's attacking today, such as moral purity. The, the false teachers, as we're going to see, are morally impure. They want to drag us into that. The person and work of Jesus Christ and the issue of biblical authority. That is really a key issue. Now, if you don't know the truth about these issues, then you're liable to really fall into some very unwise and, and make unwise decisions. For example, for example, there can be a dear Christian mom and dad 
who send their their child to a college, a Christian, so-called Christian college, and yet they don't understand that that school doesn't hold to the real standards of Scripture, that there are professors there who might undermine the authority of Scripture. And yet, just because they have a doctrinal statement that looks good, they might send their child there without really uh, asking questions and finding out that that doctrinal statement may have been written a hundred years ago and nobody particularly cares about it. Nobody even knows about it except uh, those who might take the time to read it. So uh, you need to understand the issues. Also, if you don't know the issue, for example, of, of biblical authority, then you're very likely to be confused about a major issue today, and it is this. A true Christian can never embrace Roman Catholicism. You need to understand that there are many who are aghast when that said. Let me just tell you something. I didn't even plan on saying this in my notes, but uh, let me tell you why this is, why one reason this is so critical, and you understand what's, what's going around. There's going to be a debate at Calvary Baptist Church between a, uh, a, a Christian apologist, James White, and another man who is a Catholic apologist, and they're both going to be defending their faith. Uh, I spoke to the man this week who's putting that together, and he's having a real hard time with churches responding to it. We're, we're one of the few churches willing to even announce it because people don't want to offend anybody. Listen, that's what the Reformation was about. We are not Roman Catholics. Roman Catholicism is not the gospel. They do not preach the gospel And unless you understand the real issue of biblical authority, you'll be very confused about this, why a true Christian can never embrace Roman Catholicism. Let me just tell you this. What Martin Luther really discovered uh, when, when the Reformation was built upon much of his teaching was not so much that salvation was by grace, although obviously he discovered that and that is a, a critical issue. The real issue even underlying that is this. What is your authority? Is it the Bible or is it the Pope? That's the real issue. And that's what he what he fought for. And that's why he said, on these things I stand, I will never be moved. Why? He was standing on the objective word of God as the authority, not the church and certainly not the Pope. So you need to understand these issues because we're still fighting them because these are still the area Satan is attacking. And so Second Peter is uh, chapter 2 is an extremely important chapter in the Bible, one that is designed to help us know the truth about false teachers by just ripping off their mask. And this morning, we're going to see uh, two truths about false teachers, two specific truths about these, these uh, teachers as Peter unmasks them and exposes them for what they really are. Number one, the first truth that Peter reveals about false teachers is this, they are morally impure. Verse 10. He says, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires. So after stating that judgment is certain for all who rebel against the Lord, Peter assures his readers that punishment especially, that's why the word is there, especially applies to the false teachers who were bothering them. Yes, all rebels will be judged, but especially these false teachers. And then he spells out a general characteristic of false teachers. They're morally impure. Peter states they indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires. The way that's translated is really too mild for what Peter meant. His words can be translated this way, a stronger way. Going after flesh in a passionate longing for defilement. That's probably a better way of translating it and and conveys 
what Peter really was, was saying, going after flesh in a passionate longing for defilement. In other words, these men pursued a lifestyle of moral defilement by indulging in sexual sins. They pursued it. Oh my, I just did a Google search of fallen preachers and the results were dramatic. Just going down the list in Wikipedia was amazing as the names came back to me of religious leaders over the years and the horrible things they've done. I suspect that it will get even worse as the day nears for the Lord's return and as society increasingly demands that Christ followers approve behavior that the Bible so clearly condemns. The need for revival has never been more obvious than it is these days. This is Verse by Verse, and our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're in or near Clearwater. Pastor Steve would be thrilled to meet you. You can find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road or at their website, www.lakesidechapel.com. Here's another website for you to check out, especially if you have impaired vision. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, visit www.blindbibles.com or call 1-800-838-5924. And while we're talking about audio resources, we have hundreds of previous verse-by-verse broadcasts available for free at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click the Audio Archive tab near the top of the page to bring up a list of our MP3 files organized by topic. The web address is easy to remember, www.versebyverseradio.org. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson, and I hope you can join us next time on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.